0: That he is an absolute Absolutely. dribble of a human being in terms of did you sexism? Did you he say had, dribble?
1: He, he, said, <laughs> he said he said dribble or drivel. Which which did you say? are both? Either dribble
0: of a human being. Okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> look that one up.
0: 138 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogenholder, Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand.
1: Today, we welcome Keisha McKenzie, one of our returning past guests who's now going to be on the regular. She's the Interim Program Officer at Auburn. She's going to tell us what that means eventually, because I don't know what that means. Keisha believes that all people have inherent worth and dignity, that we deserve a world where all of us can flourish, and that people of faith must help to make that world a possibility real. Snaps for that. Welcome to the show, Keisha.
2: Thanks for welcoming me back. I appreciate you guys. You can show your love
0: for our Pup Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You can start at just $2 a month at the shot glass level or go full, uh, full pint or growler. Get it out, get it out. Get it. It's trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep the, it helps us keep the show going and get yourself some swag, access to extended interviews with special guests and some before and after show um, little chats, which are Most of the time, very interesting, I have to say. Sometimes better than show themselves.
1: (laughs) Okay, easy now.
0: (laughs) All right. And a big thank you to our current Patreons.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, For example, in our pre-show today, we probably just had a whole other 20-minute conversation about a fascinating topic. So just for two bucks a month, you can have access to that on Patreon. And you can also join a regular conversation on Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag P.T. Live.
0: Today we're going to discuss heroes and see what comes out of our discussions. I need a hero. Which I sing every time I go to the Greek restaurant and get a gyro, by the way. No,
1: no, you're not that person. Oh, yes, no.
2: I am, every time. Oh, I'm the man. person who goes to the restaurant and pronounces it gyro because that's what- we No. To pronounce it in, in the UK. <laughs> no. And then I went to like the airport the other day, I was coming back from Portland. And I pronounced it hero and she was like, you mean gyro? So <laughs> I cannot win.
1: No. <laughs>
0: All right, what are we drinking, friends? Keisha, you're
2: our guest. What are you drinking today? Coconut water because Mm. it is the best thing. It is the best.
1: Nothing like it. Now, listen. I gotta ask. As a fellow Caribbean person, yes. Okay, for me, drinking coconut water out of the carton like that
2: is not the best thing. But coconut water is the best thing. The best way to have a coconut water is out of the coconut. But the third best way is to have it from (laughs) Grace.
1: Uh, you're gonna contact them for sponsorship, right? Because <laughs> we're just plugging. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm with you, but I, I I can't find a good brand. I might have to see if I can find this Grace brand. I can't find a good brand that I'm really in love with, and I've, and they all taste different, you know, of course, based on where the, where the coconuts are, are coming and how from. How uh, yeah. yeah.
2: My my favorite I was getting at my local bodega for excessive amounts of money. Um, and I haven't been able to find it locally in about six or seven months. Mm-hmm. Amazon sells it, but only in these tiny cartons, which, it, you know, exorbitantly priced as well. Right. So, suffering.
1: Suffering, yeah. Um, I I used to go with Zico. Um, and now Wegmans actually has their own brand, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, sorry, sorry. We, sidebar. So, you know, side, oh, do you side, like coconut sidebar. water? <laughs> sidebar. <laughs>
0: join our sponsors yes.
1: I mean, <laughs> clearly it's an acquired taste not, not, not a whole right, not a whole lot of American coconut water
0: not that you have to
1: not that oh 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 hell yeah um uh Jack Abbey's Copper Legend Oktoberfest I have never tried this before I don't think so uh um, it is, is it it, it is them it's a lager
2: okay
1: Oktoberfest it's a it's a lager so um and Jack Abbey is a is a Massachusetts uh, craft brewery. Um, I've been finding out more and more that um, all the big old um, breweries, like you know Anheuser Busch, Coors, and so on, are buying out all the s- small craft mm-hmm. beer breweries. And I hate corporate Tyson. I hate corporate America. Yeah, very good. That's a thing.
0: Um, I am drinking a Union Brewing, which we just went there the other day, um, and I'm drinking their Oktoberfest Lager, their Fest beer. Um, which when, when you come, we've talked about this before. If, if, and when you come to Baltimore, we have to go to union. Cause it's great.
1: You will. So, so I shared last week that, um, I, I got invited. oh I didn't bring it up. I got invited to speak at a, a it used to be religious science. Now centers for spiritual living. Um, I am actually, I'm actually on the cover of their November issue. I saw
0: it. You made an updated picture dude, by the way. I,
1: listen, the, their, their updated pictures in the body of the article.
0: Right, mm-hmm. the cover.
1: Listen, I sent them a bunch. They said send pictures. I sent right. pictures. Okay. That's I'm sorry, the, you know. Please continue. I'm talking about black don't crack. I, I look exactly the same. Anywho,
0: it was the goatee that. It. it was yeah, the goatee picture was picture because the goatee was clearly from goatee, did, did, a certain era. Did, did, did. That's
1: okay. Good it's save. Not that
0: you look older. Good
1: safe. <laughs> I'll take it. Good save. Uh, but we're talking about uh, me coming to Baltimore and and we do one of these live shows. Uh-huh. So uh, you know you're in New York, right, Keisha? So
2: most of the time when I'm yeah. not in Central Maryland, yeah.
1: So there we go. <laughs> Find it's yourself in Central Maryland. Ride.
2: Hop on the train. You're right here. Yeah. No yep. Yeah.
1: We'll, yeah we'll come on down well, as well good
0: well let's hear a little bit about do you have a hero who is either living or dead i mean this is often a like if you could have dinner with one person
2: um yeah right now it would be ava duvernay nice the, um the director she does selma and mm-hmm. queen sugar the tv show she runs a collective called array which supports uh Independent filmmakers who are mostly black and people of color, who are doing really, um, really smart, really sharp, character-driven stories that wouldn't otherwise get told. I, th- I think I was I was thinking about that a couple of minutes ago, and uh, I think I think she's my name right now. Nice.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I'm sure I got one. I can't think of one right now. It's horrible. And, you know, the fact that we came up with this question five minutes ago. It's like, it's like when people ask me to name a song and my brain goes blank. Sure. Like,
0: what's your favorite song?
1: And you're like, uh. Uh, The one I
0: listen to all the time.
1: And I don't want to throw the old familiars at everybody. Right kind of sort of knows i'm like who am i who am i like who am i reading right now who's meaningful Mm -hmm. um for me right now and there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm in this like ridiculous graphic novel phase i go in and out of
0: yeah
1: that um so so, would
0: you say like stanley's a hero oh
1: i will actually say uh I'm going to pronounce his name wrong because I always do it. Uh, Tana Hesse Coates, because he actually we were writes. Just,
0: we were just with him on Thursday. I, Tana Hesse Coates, yeah.
1: I saw. I saw that yeah. you were. Um, he he writes. Uh, I mean, we one, were
0: personally with him. No, we were in a room of under
1: <laughs> the. People. That's still personal. <laughs> he his, was right there. Your your bodies were in the room. His <laughs> body was in the room too. <laughs> there you go. That was a personal interaction. Anyways, yes, um, no, he, he writes. Was-
2: Absolutely. He's amazing.
1: He he writes for Black uh one of the Black Panther uh series of comics and and I'm I'm reading his new novel now. Um the name escapes me something about water the water or something what was um, it again?
0: Shoot, it's it's downstairs. Uh, um, we'll get it.
1: I'll the Water it Dancer. The Water, um,
0: dancer. There
1: the water dancer. There you go. There you go. His first
0: novel. Um, yes. He writes for the he's a writer for the Atlantic. Um, um among, and he's he's
1: we were eight years in power and then the thing he wrote to his um, son about um, being black in America. World and me. Yeah. That and beautiful, the beautiful struggle. So, um, but what I, what I really, one of my really, uh, or he was already up there for me, but I heard a live interview with him and, uh, Krista Tippett on, on being. Yeah. And, um, his humility is 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 truly admirable because he's like i uh, you know it floors me that people ask me all these questions thinking i have the answers mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. he's like no i i don't i don't have the answers to the questions I'm, I'm figuring it out this out as we go along just like the rest of you are right. um so uh if you ever get the chance to hear him see him um mm-hmm. read his oh, material absolutely and he go for was,
0: it he was amazing live and just um I'll, I will just throw out like, even he was just, there was a lot of students there they gave away, cause he's from Baltimore and he went to school here. So um, where his former school, he went and talked at and they gave a lot of tickets too. And so the, the uh, young people would like write and ask him questions. And so much of it was about the writing process and just listening, yeah. it was just fascinating. Um, so I feel a little cliche in this, but um, not this past summer, cause I was on sabbatical, but the summer before, I did a series um I did a sermon series based on Mr. Rogers.
2: Aww.
0: On Fred Rogers. Nice. And I read every book I could get my hands on. I watched numerous video clips um and I just have to tell like I I'm sorry. I just I haven't encountered any um person that has been described as so lovely, so mm-hmm. caring, mm-hmm. so genuine, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he's still kind of, um, I, I feel like a hero to me is like a person that you put on a pedestal and they really deserve to be there, right? For whatever reason, although they would they would hate that they were up there, <laughs> right? True. Like we all named humility as part of our, you yes. know, like yeah. thing and that he really, he really, is still that for me? Um, so yeah, he's kind of. Um, I just we. I mean, now he was a Presbyterian minister,
2: so it's easy for us to. That's what I thought. Glorify I, him. Yeah. <laughs> but when you just said uh, heroes, um, you put on a pedestal. I wondered if if we reframed it to mentors, if that would make it easier for even Ogan to have an answer for that. So if it wasn't somebody that you made your hero, but somebody you wanted as your mentor. Would that be easier for you to answer?
1: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, I tried. No.
1: You, you try. I thought he answered the question very well. And, you know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of a poll, but yeah, no.
0: So, because I'm, I'm flying by the seat <laughs> of my pants here. Is there, because um, I just thought of this, is there a person that you f- feel, not just thought of this. So today, as we record this, today is, what the calendar calls Columbus Day, right? What a lot of um, states or towns, cities are changing to Indigenous Peoples Day.
1: Mm-hmm. Officially, the count is uh, 12 states in D.C.
0: Yes, 12 states in D.C., um, which we'll just ed- fully embrace and admit that every, all three of us believe that that's a change that should be made. I'll speak for you, Keisha. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, go ahead. <laughs> and um, so um, I, I I think that for me, this is, you know, as we kind of talked about, we can talk about that. But I think for me, the broader question is, you know, who in history have we remembered as a hero or, right? as that person to put on the pedestal that that... I'll at least admit that for me never sat well when I was young, even when I was young, I we went to visit um, Monticello mm-hmm. and Thomas Jefferson was that person for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember, I think I was maybe 10 years old and I remember walking around going and I grew up in the South, right. Going, going to a plantation wasn't an unusual th- I mean, you, you took field trips there, right. This wasn't like the first time I'd seen slave quarters and things like that. But, there was something about this former president right there was something about this maker of democracy and and you know um all of this that never it never felt right and it never sat right for me um was there someone like that for you
2: i um When i moved to the u.s i started to read about early u.s history and colonialism and so forth from the perspective of this hemisphere and um bartolome de la casas was one of those figures for me like he was a uh, dominican friar who did a lot of um kind of cataloging of what the spanish did when they arrived on the shores how they treated Native Americans, how they treated African Americans, or people who became African Americans. And um, it was interesting how the things that I was beginning to read were beginning to change the story about this character. So early early material around him um, were all like, oh, this was a great example of what a Christian in that early period could have been like, was like, because he didn't justify the uh spanish um he didn't justify spanish genocide or or violence um he actually intervened to the point of um getting some of the local military to reduce their violence towards native americans but then as i kept reading there were people who were beginning to say oh but some of his ways of describing the dignity of Native Americans actually inspired the Spanish to begin I- importing more Africans. More Africans, yeah. So he was both somebody who helped to um, accurately describe what was going on, We so we think. Um, he wasn't diminishing it, and we don't think that he was completely um, blowing it out of proportion, but at the same time, he was willing to make some trades between which kinds of humans were still acceptable to trade and um to dehumanize and so for, like for that sort of reason i find him a really uh, complicated character to wrap my head around and, and in some ways probably one of the most appropriate uh, avatars for what the christian church is and has been in this in this continent so um
1: i got i got two people that i can sort of answer that with um, one of them is our uh, last president, Barack Obama,
0: yep. you know, oh, Missy,
1: M- Missy Berry. After, um,
0: after Fred Rogers, he's <laughs> like, he and Michelle are the people, like if I had to answer the, who do you want to have dinner with? I want to have dinner with Barack right. and Michelle. Like, for
1: I a hundred percent agree. And um, it's, it's been interesting since his presidency um, to really look into a lot of the decisions and choices he made um and some of them kind of like mm, yeah maybe not the best ones um you know and and it's really come up again recently um currently because of what's happening in syria you know and um you know his, his infamous you know draw the red line in terms of, of of the syrian government using chemical gas on the kurds which they did it and then he didn't do anything about it and you know Stuff like that. Um, So there's that. The other thing is, uh, the other person is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Not that long ago, you know, there were a couple of reports about um, um, recordings that came out that don't paint him in, that really don't paint him in a positive light. And I've, I've, I've refused to read into them yet because I'm not ready to, (laughs) I'm not ready to handle it. But, but it's been, but you know, there've always been, there's always been the anecdotal stories floating around that I've, heard about um so you know it's it it's uh, i when you ask me about the heroes and the mentors the reason i struggle with it is because i think at this point i've realized people are just people and everyone's got levels of complexity to them and they're not perfect so sometimes there are some people who you know i i don't want my image of them to be tarnished by finding out the whole truth about them Um, because you know when you when you weigh the good they've done for this world versus the you know the complexity of who they were as human beings and not the best choices they always made it's like you know don't touch them this i this is the same guy who yesterday said at church you know sacred cows make the best hamburgers so it's it's a you know, eventually, what I do is I get to a point of realizing, in many cases, it was because of their complexity that they were able to do what they did. It, it, it is part of the story. And that doesn't take away from who we are. That's part of our journey and how we manage, accept, deal with, live through the, the complexity that we are in order to still do good. Uh, I, was at a, I was at a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, sorry, I was at a bat mitzvah on Saturday. And, and, you know, it's during the, the Shabbat service and, and we're, sing- we're you know, we're singing and chanting from the prayer book. And there's just lots of these, some of them, you know, sounds about King David and, you know, you right. can't, you can't find a more complex, um, flawed Still
0: character, right. hero <laughs> yeah. in
1: the Bible than, than David, you know, and, and no one would argue the good that he did, but no one would also argue his, his, his weaknesses and, and the, you know, sins, quote unquote sins that that he committed as well. So it's like, yeah, people are people.
0: I think that's I think that's one of the good the good things of where we're moving. Um I I think there's a balance um between the we need to be honest, right? We need to be honest about what public figures are are doing and how they're being and we need to hold them accountable. We we also tend to appreciate one of the reasons why we tend to appreciate in my opinion barack obama even though right i i think there were so many missteps even in his presidency
1: mm-hmm. and yeah that I, tan suit man we cannot oh, forgive him for the tan it suit. all
0: comes down to the tan suit let's be Jesus. honest man that man looks good in anything be quiet Ooh, let
1: him walk i know right
0: <laughs> i
2: mean it's really and also immigration enforcement
1: it's, it's, uh,
0: immigration it's, it's, enforcement Syria. <laughs> i mean syria like he changed his views on, um, you know, the the LGBTQ communities, like, stuff. And just, and part of that, I, know, I understand, is the machine, and part of that was him. But for for me, the the reason, um, it, and it's not, like, for some people, like, the MLK stuff is, at the end of the day, did you do more good than harm, blah, 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 right? Like, and I don't even, I don't even kind of use that view as much as I say, like, what i appreciate is the transparency and the honesty right and i appreciate the transparency that he gave that office the the honesty and the integrity of which he held it mm-hmm. so even though there were things that he did that i that i absolutely disagreed sure. with there i trusted him in terms of his integrity and for me that's that's part of that that idolization of a hero that idolization of of you know a mentor even is that level you know we described humility we described uh, like but that integrity that's there and transparency of i'm not gonna do everything perfect and i'm gonna say i'm sorry and you know and i left just as i mean i think he cleaned up a lot but he also left a mess you know and yeah, unfortunately I, left it in very incapable hands but that's you know whatever yeah
2: yeah I, I i think i struggle with the putting uh an obama or any u.s president in this in a similar category to a fred rogers or uh sure n- name it name any artist that isn't a pedophile like so we're not naming r kelly for example and we're right. not talking about Michael Jackson and his controversies where I'm trying to figure out what it means to be a good U S president when to be the U S president means so much imperialism. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. even, I'm not, I'm not even as well-informed a political radical as some of my friends and buddies. So I, I'm not even going to try to, We don't play Ogan. We don't. We
0: don't play the woke Olympics here, right? We don't. We don't do that. (laughs) We don't
2: participate. That's (laughs) great. That's great. I just. I'm just offering that caveat to say, I don't know that I'm as out there as some people who would make this argument, but fundamentally, the U.S. is um, and has functioned from its very beginning as as an empire and as a as as a as a colonizing nation state. And and that comes with some entailments. It comes with the genocide and it comes with the enslavement and it comes with the aggressive forms of capitalism that inevitably require some sweatshop somewhere, whether it's in Baltimore or it's in Bangladesh. And so what does it mean to be a functional, effective president? As I think the three of us would say, Obama was that. But at the same time, what it means to be that still means it still means being head of a system that sucks more than 75% of the budget towards yeah. weapons building mm-hmm. instead of sure. education and health yeah. Like it, so, it, so, so the, good, the bar a, is on the floor, is what right. I'm saying.
1: A good, a, uh, I would say a really good president will be the one who begins to dismantle that, who begins to really say how we have existed so far, is not for our greater good at this point. And they've served a purpose, you know, post World War Two, but right now it's not it's not who we should be. Mm-hmm. And and you know, they are they are a couple of Democratic candidates who at least in rhetoric right now are beginning to speak to that. Um, I don't I don't know that any fundamental changes will happen during the course of their presidency because ultimately you know, we still got sent full of you know old white men. So, um, and, and, and until there are really generational changes in all the houses of government, it's kind of gonna be this way for a while.
0: <laughs> so let me let me ask. So, Ogan, you grew up in Barbados. Keisha, yes. Where did you? Where were your formative years? London and Jamaica. London and Jamaica. So, in those environments, what was the story? around the founding of america what was the story around that in in a different place
2: um well, was there one? So i'll i'll offer that as someone who grew up in britain like we had a different story fundamentally than the u.s does about its founding so the this the story was never um as hostile as i think americans think it was but it was more just another colony that kind of got away is the undertone to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and at the same time, this mythology around a special relationship between the UK and the U S persisted all the way up until Tony Blair's um, prime minister Mm. uh, tenure. So I, I feel like there was always this idea that Americans saw their country as unique and particular, and so we understood it in that sense, but not that we took it for granted that that was actually true, because in so many ways, the founding materials the the philosophy and the politics and the government structure and so forth um, took cues from from government and philosophy and religion and civic civic religion and 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 other um influences from other states around the around the world so I feel like there's both a recognition that there's an internal story and there's a reality, and very, very often, those two stories do not match up
1: entirely. I got to be honest. I don't remember talking a lot about America <laughs> in in no, school I mean, in terms of, of 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 history. Like we we yeah. had we had the we we uh, the best I can remember. And bear in mind, I don't remember what I did last week, but the best I can remember is uh you know the the big picture about you know folks fleeing oppression in europe and mm-hmm. you know coming in and and found in and then there was this you know this idea of, of creating an, a, a new set of dem- a new sort of democracy um yeah. and kind of that's how it took off um not a not a whole lot of talk about the obliteration of the native americans um you know right now cover yeah. that on so 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 yeah, there wasn't a lot of conversation around it to to bring us back full circle to the Columbus Indigenous Day thing. And interestingly enough, growing up in the the Caribbean, there was a, a, a... um, a bit of historical um, reverence towards Christopher Columbus. Ironically you know, we were we, yeah. we were taught that he was this explorer who discovered the West Indies, yes. and you know so on. And the first yes. person who actually I heard speak to how could this Columbus discover a place where people already live in was was the was the first um, post-colonial prime minister of Barbados, uh, Errol Barrow, and and he he spoke to that. And I remember when he said that, I was like, wait he's got a point there were people already here
2: right you know right. sort
1: of sort of deal i mean and, I, and before he said it i kind of had this idea to you know even though i knew there were these you know these Arawaks, these caribs these, these native indians of the place i i i, I kind of had this idea uh, or, or the idea was because of columbus's discovery now we we were joining the rest of the world in in a in a more modern way and mm. and technology and civilization. So thank you for Columbus for bringing that to us. Okay. You know is kind of is kind of the 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 subtle message the sometimes not so subtle message that that was you know taught about Columbus not not yeah. an occupier.
0: I mean, because so I grew up I grew up in Kentucky and I went to elementary school in Kentucky and this. I mean the story was very clear right Christopher Columbus discovered America was very kind and exchanged things with Indians right that I mean that's the story we were told but we were also told the story of puritans seeking religious asylum right like like fleeing oppression so there were these kind of there were these two stories that somehow in the history book got put together right um that they were, they were like the same people, but you were like, but wait, one came from England, you know, this, this, and went to Boston, right. Plymouth rock. And one went South and was connected with the Caribbean and the Spanish. So how does, how does that work? Which of course, Christopher Columbus was port- from Portugal and not from Spain. And there was, there was a whole the whole there's the whole a whole thing, there's a whole thing, but, but I, you know, it's, that was the story period. Right. And Thanksgiving was a friendly, you know, lunch and whatever. Like that was always the story growing up. You know, the, the, the shift changed for me actually in seminary when I actually, um, when you could begin to see people as two different things, right. Both doing something great in the world, but also maybe not being a great person. Like, yeah. And that came for me through, um, I, in, in my second year of seminary, I latched on to Paul Tillich as a theologian. I just, I mean, like he said things that I had thought that I didn't know other people thought. Right. And he said them so beautifully and he said them a long time ago and, you know, all of those things. And I just loved him and my mentor, um, Dr. Stephen Ray, who's now at, um, Chicago Theological Seminary he's the president there now he was a Tillich scholar and so he and I spent a lot of time together and we talk about this and then one day he was like you know we we need to talk about Tillichs private life and I was like oh okay like he lived in Chicago he was married whatever and he was like he had he had a mistress that he kept in an apartment and he and even so I'm what 20? 24 years old and and even in that point i'm going okay well you know it it must have actually been good for his wife to not get divorced and they probably had an arrangement and they you know like i was justifying it in my head because of that pedestal status
1: just just like just like we just like we tried to justify uh, tiger woods when it found out he was sleeping with all these porn stars because he was playing his best golf at the time so you know it might have been good for him so they said i'm not i'm not taking the stance well, either way i'm just i'm just making tight. i'm just making a modern sports parallel okay, for, for maybe our non-theologian listeners <laughs>
0: for our non-theologian <laughs> listeners i'm trying to bring god back into it but whatever
1: okay. <laughs> like some listen for some tiger woods it's god okay
0: okay okay listen That red shirt is really important. I don't really know what any of that means. That's all I know. but, But it became the question of if you are a morally compromised person, does that make you a bad theologian? Right? So this goes back to the president question of was if Bill Clinton did have an affair and like for me, it's not necessarily even the affair that made him a bad president. It was the lying that, you know, got me kind of deal. But like, can you really untangle those two things, right? Are they really, but does that mean we really throw away everything Tillich said? Because because the things he said about God are beautiful.
1: Yes, they are. It had been interesting to ask him directly about the spiritual uh, uh, relationships in the spiritual context. (laughs) Like it would how have been much...
0: interesting to ask his wife about him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting too. And and you know, you brought the example of Bill Clinton. Yeah, there was a line, but but it was a you know, it was a clear violation of the power of the power.
0: Oh no! You know, so no so there was question. nothing good
1: about that. <laughs> there's right. no
0: question for me about that. I think that's that's part of it, right? Like we've we've had this discussion before of you know, th- and this is this comes back to in a lot of ways the people that um the, the religious right, I forget who it was. There was an interview done with a leader of the religious right. And the question was asked, how can you morally line up with this president, this current president?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And his answer was, We're all sinners. Right. Right. They made and that I was like, that's some bullshit right there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but but they've, they've made that argument selectively depending on the president that they're talking about, and sure. which tells you that it's not really about that at all. It might, it might be an operative exactly. um, element of their theology, but it's not evenly applied, even outside of the realm of politics. Exactly. It's not evenly applied in their personal life. It's not evenly applied anywhere
1: else. I I had to give them props when they came up with that whole modern day King Cyrus uh, oh, line. Goodness. Like I was like, you know what, you know what, that's a that's a load of crap, but that's some beautiful crap right there. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah,
2: they, do, they do try it. They do try it. I I think oh. the, the question. One of the questions could be, um, well, with the with the theologians, I wonder about you can say all these beautiful things about God, but then even John in the Bible is like, say what you want about the thing that you can't see, but how about your brother next door? There's a, a relational component that kind of validates whether the theology is sound or not. And so if people can't, through practice, demonstrate that their theology actually works, then you get to question whether they are actually, in fact, good theologians. Which, so is is hard, the answer which is then hard, which to... I don't know if the answer is that. I'm just saying that, that
0: that's no. a question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing comes for me is the answer then to cut them off, right? So this week we had a brouhaha, which uh, let me just say, there was, a, there was of all the th- brouhaha's on social media, this was the thing that made my husband, Mr. Social Media, delete Facebook and Twitter off his phone. Oh, no, ah. not his accounts. He's still out there, but he's like, I <laughs> cannot have this like coming at me on a regular what, basis. What is this? Wow. What is this? What It happened? was the fact that Ellen DeGeneres, oh yeah, with George W. Bush yep. at a freaking Texans game, yep. and the internet went nuts. Now this was after you know the hug at the court thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just one thing after the other after the other that he was like, I am done this broke me like i cannot deal with this level of of angst in the world right um now the difference the different let's just name this because we did talk about the hug last week the difference is is that both ellen DeGeneres and george w bush are are public figures Mm -hmm. okay so having that discussion is very different than having a discussion about an 18 year old and, you know, like people who did not ask for fame in this way, right? So let me just name that if people are asking, why is it okay to talk about this, but not about that? That's that's why, you know? Mm-hmm. But let's, let's talk about that for a minute. So like, do you cut then your neighbor off? Do you cut your brother off who, I mean, cause what people say is he is a war cl- criminal. He has, he spent eight years in power actively against everything Um, of who you are and what you're about, and how dare you, right? How dare you, Ellen, sit next to this man?
2: I I don't think that, I don't think it's about cutting him off. I think it's about the banality with which she explained herself. Like I think that you can say, I have a complicated relationship with this person. I don't agree with them. And of course, I don't believe that their war decisions are comparable to their food choices. Like, she made a really trivializing yeah. argument in yeah. her in her explanation. And then, of course, her doing it in the model, monologue um, format also trivialized it because it meant that the audience was set up to laugh when she wanted them to laugh, and that trivialized it even further. So I think there are whole there's ser- several layers in there for why that was not the way to go. Um, but I, I think, actually, about someone like the Apostle Paul, who, for me, is... A complicated figure and probably the most complicated figure I, absolutely in, I agree in, yeah. in the Christian scriptures. Um, even even more than David because David may have written psalms and been a king somewhere, but he didn't establish the theology for for the for the religion that we practice. Um, and I think Yeah I'll say it. I think that if Paul were a real person and I knew him I don't think I would like him very much. And I would be wondering, like, why is this former murderer and persecutor suddenly the lead figure in our in our club? And um, is it nobody going to actually talk about his need to do reparations? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, that oh, would be, that I've would... always taken Peter's side on that. <laughs> <laughs> so this would be my whole mentality, but it wouldn't be he should never have a platform and he should never be able to speak and he should never be able to write letters or anything, that wouldn't be it. It would just be about having a really strong community discussion about how to contextualize his work and how to contextualize his authority and how to make sure that he didn't just ride roughshod over the emergent community. Because I think that's more the concern that I have, more than an individual's platform. Um, I want them to have relationships that are strong and accountable In community not to be isolated out of community
1: and the thing you got to factor in is is was paul or did paul become the voice for the christian community at that time or is this is this one of these after the fact things You know, when, when, right, after the fact, when, you know, church, early church fathers read his letters and say, oh, yeah, let's go with that stuff instead, you know, there's the the argument that, like, like, Shannon was alluding to, Paul rolled in and said, you know, I had a vision, therefore I should be in charge, and, you know, there were, and the early church was like, laughed in his face and said, dude, no and and off he went he's like fine y'all don't want me i'll go preach to the gentiles because there's a which, there's which a whole like, there's a whole audience there who y'all don't want to take on so I, there's very, my market I share rarely, right there
0: i <laughs> very rarely defend paul in any way and yet <laughs> what i'll say right like he brought i mean the reason why he's in in a lot of ways the father of the church and um, like you know jesus is the head but paul is the father in terms of that mm. You know aspect and and it's it's you know i can be fully aligned with paul's arguments about the gentiles right and why this message is for all and still very much disagree with what i understand of him as a person and what i right this is this is that balance of i'm on peter's side but i agree with paul's argument like right like peter was peter was left in charge here why are we arguing (laughs) you know why are we arguing about who's in charge peter was clearly left in charge you're nobody you need to sit down and be quiet but this your point on this is valid
2: you know i feel for james too
1: exactly right Exactly. And
0: Timothy's just writing everything down and sitting next to him. And like, what's going on? You know, like me and Timothy. Hey, don't speak for me, dude. All right, all right. Like, don't don't do that. He this- wrote half the stuff, so let's just whatever.
1: Yeah, but this this comes back to to tying to to our time where we're in we're in cancel culture. So if anybody says one bad thing, you're done and it's, it, it's so surface level that it doesn't honor that a, we are complex individuals and all our relationships are complex and we just can't. So, so to look at the Ellen and George Bush situation, um, my my first response was also very uh, um, um, you know on the surface reactive like oh
0: like, what we were
1: the, watching what, what the going game on right now
0: we were watching <laughs> right? the game and they panned over and Derek and I were both like what the hell
1: exactly like <laughs> like, like you know it was weird enough when you know the the the, the love affair between Michelle Obama and George W. Bush oh, like right? that that was kind of like oh but, see, but that no. was the other
0: thing <laughs> that we actually talked about that like why why is the Michelle George relationship okay but the ellen george relationship didn't. well I, I, see, I,
2: I think i think we run in different circles because in the circles that i run in it was not okay yeah like, it it was, was, that I was not, not okay either. I, do, I understand <laughs> it in the sense of the 45 families that have been in that club yeah i understand why they would want to hang out with yes. each other yes i also understand why in terms of class and wealth and access and all of that it makes yes. sort of sense but even then i feel like there's a she didn't get a pass where i hang
1: out yeah right. yeah exactly sure. i'm i'm, I'm with you on rare. that and and the class and wealth thing i think applies to the ellen situation as well but yeah. but the other but the other thing i i you know after i thought about it i was like you know everybody was like how can you like george Bush, especially because you're gay and i was like well first of all if there's anybody that might Open him up and change his mind about right. anything is Ellen of all people. Like my so speaking for myself, my you know I was a uh, homophobic evangelical, and the thing that shifted that for me beyond my whole spiritual crisis about you know discovering Christianity, story behind Christianity, and the Bible was about the friendships and relationships that I had with people who were gay when I was in college and, and coming out of college. That that was the major shift and tone for me. Now, here here's, here's the other thing I learned about or we know about people who are presidents. Often they have to speak the party line. We don't know that it's their line. You know, famously look at Dick Cheney, who, you know... A.K.A. Darth Vader, you know, who's who stands on LGBTQ issues, notably sort of silent because of his daughter. Right. So, again, we took a snapshot of two of them sitting at a game and wrote a whole narrative around it and decided which side of the fence we were on for this narrative. And we don't know. We don't know the relationship. It's like it's. But we
2: do now. Because she made, it, she made it very clear that she was all about a certain kind of, not kindness, but niceness. Like it, It's not a substantive ethic from my perspective. I think there is a, a, a sense in which you can advocate for compassion for people. Sure. And the kind of difficult relationship that you're talking about that requires extraordinary sacrifice on the part of the marginalized party right, to right. help educate the person who has whatever bigotries that they might need to get.
1: Yeah. So, so I
2: think that's it.
1: So there's that. So then I asked myself, what would I do in that situation? Not that I'd ever find myself in a situation where I end up being friends with them, But let's just say, for some reason, something happened and I found myself in a room sitting next to George W. Bush or President Trump. What am I going to do in that situation, right? So I, I'm asking myself this. And here's the truth. I'm going to be a nice civil person and you can guarantee at some point in time, I may work in the conversation about issues, but I'm not going to, in that moment, you know, toss the the, the table over or like, I can't sit next to this person. So, so for me, there's, there's a sense of, yes, she's said where she is. And yes, there's always more, to, to the club, whether it's the president's club or the rich which white people's club or whatever club they both belong to. And back to the whole cancel culture, let's not make decisions based on, you know, one this snapshot or where the people are. We were talking in the pre-show about, about Bill Maher and the things, crazy stuff that he says. And and I would say that Like eighty percent of the stuff, eighty-five percent of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I can get on board with. There's some stuff I'm just like, dude, you are crazy. Like, you know.
0: So, so, so does that mean I throw everything?
1: Right, but to each their own. To this is my point. To each their own. Do you call him a bad person? Do you say no one should listen to him and we should all cancel him? Or do you say he's not for me, and you find who is for you?
0: no i so and i'm i'm hmm, this is gonna be tough but i'm gonna say it anyway um i think that for me the issue is i find him much more sexist i think that he is an absolute absolutely absolute dribble of a human being in terms of did you sexism did you he say had dribble
1: he, he said <laughs> "He said dribble or drivel which, which did you say are both either?
0: dribble of a human being <laughs> okay <laughs> um
1: good. So you didn't you uh, so that means you didn't you didn't see this past episode where you had a conversation with Howard Stern, did you? Oh, God, no. So- but it was it was actually kinda of beautiful because here's here's Howard Stern, a married man after all this time, speaking about the richness and and how being married has served him, giving Bill Maher a hard time for, you know, his his, his I'm never getting married. I got like I, I got I like think, all these people I, and I'm girls just gonna say, like,
0: I think Bill Maher serves something for men that is the things that I want to say that I cannot say. And from there is nothing about that man. Like everything turns me off. Everything about. Him <laughs> me off.
1: T- tell me how you really feel. <laughs> no, and
0: and, I, and and so and do I think he should be canceled? Yes, but I also think that like basically everybody on Fox News should be canceled, right? Like this is. But but what I, what I kept thinking of is Dan Rather, right? So Dan Rather was mm-hmm. was kicked white right? like one and done, canceled. He broadcast this this piece of paper that he like that he didn't triple fact check right Right. and he was kicked off the air he was done he was his career was done and he's come back in the last three years with this news and guts thing um about about you know true journalism and and that's you know in so many ways been so helpful like the way news and guts explains things is so helpful to me. So, you know, for me, I mean, of course in my faith, I'm always going to rework work from a perspective of people can change. People can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just gonna, I, I, in order to keep my faith, I have to stand in that box. Um, there are a lot of people, some of which we talked about, that are going to take a whole lot for to convince me that yeah. they are different, that they are changed. And George W. Bush is one of them. Agreed. But there's also, I'll admit, something in me that sits there and says, okay, if if Michelle Obama has this, found this connection with him, and if Ellen DeGeneres found this connection with him, no matter how they describe it or whether or not we agree that it's okay, and there must be something about this man that is charismatic or interesting that that these two people that i see as as somehow good that have this goodness about them that if they connect with this one man there must be something there and so i'm willing to give a benefit of the doubt i am not willing to excuse um the things that he did right they're your gateways but, but, but I am willing to say, do I believe in redemption? Do I believe in the ability to turn from the way of sin and renounce evil in the world? Like if I believe in that, then I have to somehow extend that belief. I mean, I'm not going to be friends with him personally, so I'm not going to be able to personally make that judgment, but I may be able to believe Michelle Obama in that
1: and it it goes back to that question is how can we separate can we separate the person from the role from the person from the office can we do that or are they are they i have a harder time doing
0: that like i i i i understand there is a huge machine and actually maybe brian could speak to that someday but like i understand there's a huge machine but you, at the end of the day, you need to be true to your integrity and you need to be true st- to your character. Yep. And you I still hold make you personally choices. responsible for that.
2: You, yeah, you still make choices within the role that you have, whatever the roles are, whether that's parent or minister or president, you still have ethical choices every single day you show up to work. Um, I think I struggle with the idea that Michelle or Ellen's relationship with Bush functions as like social proof that he can change. I think that there's a, I, I feel like that can be really dangerous. Um, and many, many times people who are abusers in whatever fashion mm-hmm. take advantage of that. So they find the people who other people find credible and kind of use them as shields. Yeah. And, and um, I think that's a very fair point. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're wrong for like thinking no, of this. I'm just no, like, really I'm, I'm thinking through the ways that, that it, it functions. Um, and he hasn't indicated himself whether he's done any kind of reflection since he left office. To me, like that's the What are you
1: talking about? Have you not seen his paintings?
2: Well I have seen his puppies and his bogs. I don't care. (laughs) I care about that's process work. That's that's art therapy, that's process work he's working it through.
0: Those paintings No really. Those paintings are a man. Who like is in prison, for help? Right? He, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is so. Have you seen this paintings Sorry, he is so. What's he what so He is seeking redemption. That's what like, like, he's working his shit I out. I
2: don't,
0: like I know that that's funny, but I don't say that as it's funny. I hope he's in therapy. I hope he's those, like, he has then spent his post presidency career with people who he directly hurt mm. right and and again i don't want to like i am zero fan zero <laughs> but but i do see those things as so what's like maybe he's just with the way he grew up with who he is with the maybe he is incapable but i do think that i mean this is what i believe i do think that god is working in him and those paintings are part of that for me that god is working in him to make some sort of amends
1: so, Annie, one Annie. day I'll be like you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I one one day I'll be like you.
0: No, <laughs> I, listen, I'm not saying he's doing it. I. I... For me, if I don't live in a way that that's real about people, I I can't function in the world. Like You're I would right. I would be in a ball in a So room. when
1: he when he takes his paintings on tour on on for shows, we call it the we, we call it the 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 amended, the amended art show. Is that what we're kinda mm-hmm. <laughs> Please for, please forgive me. The, so, so, the other, so one of the last things I think we, we, we should address is also part of what's happening to us as a society, and I blame I blame Facebook and Twitter for this, is that we we are becoming an increasingly let's not think deep about these issues sort of society. We want to reduce it to you know a post. We wanna we want to reduce it to however many characters you get in Twitter right now. I've lost I forgot how many they are. 280 um,
2: two, no, two, Yeah,
1: the two, two eighty. Right. You know, A's and subtext and subtweets. We we've kind of we've kind of reduced conversations to to this and and. And in the effort to simplify, we are we keep forgetting again that that there, there are no clear answers or simple answers here. It's about the complexity. The last job I would ever want to have is president. Because I know to Keisha's point, you know, you walk into that office, you know, or or you know, if you're watching the righteous gemstones on HBO, you know, to be the minister of a mega. Church slash corporation to, to you to to get to those positions there's there's certain devil's bargains you have to make and when you walk in are you gonna keep them because you know the entire structure of a country relies on them or are you gonna try and unmake them and you gotta do it slowly and gently and then it becomes more about the pull the politics around it rather than the bigger picture nothing is ever simple you know and and. We're in a society that is increasingly trying to simplify, and, and I don't, I won't even say simplify, but almost dumb down, um, and 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 make things. Uh, it, it's a meme, the memification of right. of issues is well, is becoming more and more prevalent. I
2: mean, but the, the issues with power. Keisha disagrees. Keisha disagrees. right? I I I do. I feel it. It's almost like us saying. In every generation, the adults are like, the kids are going to hell, the kids are going to hell. And I think right now the kids are going to hell argument is social media has made us tribal. And I think like your point is not that, but it's adjacent to that. Because George Bush himself was the one who rolled up at the UN and was like, if you're not with us, you're against against us. us. Which was like the early stages of this kind of uh, light, dark, old Zoroastrian kind of Mm -hmm. approach to politics. And I
0: think he believed it. I think he did too. I think he believed every word of what he was saying.
2: I I think he did too. And also it wasn't original to him. So it's it's happened, it's emerged as a tactic in pretty much every political generation of this kind of um, people reverting into their camps and misrendering the other parties and being very simple and simplistic i would say about argumentation and i think conversations like this have the capacity if replicated in enough places and enough spaces have the space they give people space enough to dig a little bit deeper and not just retreat to the easy answers or have people around them who can say yeah that might be true at this slice, but what about this slice? And I think that the what about this slice is the missing thing. So in that I agree with you, but I don't agree that it's new. And I don't agree that it's about the social media.
0: So I I listened to, and this will be our last kind of thing. I listened to a podcast this week. Um, I think it was On Point. No, it was something else. I'll look it up. I'll I'll post it on the um, Pub Theology page. But it was a it was an interview with the granddaughter of the man who founded Westboro Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see that, yeah. Have you seen that? And she has this new book out, Unfollow. Mm -hmm. And she was she got on Twitter to promote, she was the media person for Westboro Baptist. And she was like, she was in, she was bought in. She felt like this small group of people had the answers, and what was wrong with everybody else? And and it was through Twitter, right? And conversation. And it wasn't through the hate-filled Twitter. It was through people that were coming back saying, we know that you believe this. So here are some questions that we have. How can you say this and not this? And a lot of what they used to justify what they were doing was, was scripture from the time of David, right? Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's the scriptures that they were using, and she kind of lived in this world of. But if I can find it in the Bible, then it's right. Yeah. And and her now husband was one of those people that found her through Twitter, and and I think that's the misconception of like all of it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now there's certainly a lot that in my life I know creates anxiety, and I need to temper myself and try to you know rein that back. But it was a really interesting point in terms of being able to here's a woman who you know is everything I'm'm I'm, I'm against, right or was was every and was able to open her eyes, if you will, right, and learn more yeah. and be more, and now lives a completely different life. Um, and I and I think you know we love a story of redemption, right? We love it. it's it's but it's not like people go from demons to angels. You know, there's, there's so much complexity in between. I'm sure that if she and I sat down today, there would be a lot that we disagreed about.
1: Sure. And, and to Keisha's point, you got to back it up with your actions. Like that's, right. you know, anybody can say they're redeemed, but I mean that's gospel. you got to show it.
0: <laughs> that's 100% gospel right there. You yes. know, um, God is all about that actional love. Like loving, yeah. I mean, loving kindness. Yes. Kindness is great, but that, that what the hebrew the Hesed love right mm-hmm. the action oriented love yeah yeah um, is where it goes and with this, is, that- this is my
1: this is my life right now with 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 my barbados community um, right and it's- and, and me, yes. me speaking to the church there about their anti lgbtq bible based dance and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and you know you know open up you know but anyways yeah. not starting that whole conversation, but yeah, it's, 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 it's exact it's exactly that. And, 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 you know, the, 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 the frustration of, of people who are stuck in the Bible. Yes. In the, in the, in the, in the literalism of the Bible. But,
0: and in the very few yeah. parts of the Bible. And, and in
1: the, the very right. few. Right. It's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It is. This is my new phrase, by the way. No it's more, no thing. more. The it's whole thing. It's, it's, <laughs> what was the one that you kept calling me out on? The, um, mm-hmm.
2: Segway
1: thing,
0: segway, Oh,
1: segue. Quick segue. Shannon was like, that's your phrase. That's your favorite phrase, Ogan. Quick segue. No, now it's it's a thing. It's
0: mm-hmm. a thing. It's a thing. Well, here's the thing. Connect us with the word with us on social media now that Ogan has dogged it. Listen us to <laughs> anytime. Wow. <laughs> wow. On SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, music, iTunes, rate us at any of those places. Watch us on YouTube or IGTV when we get the clips up um find or create a pub theology in your town find that at info uh, find that information at pubtheology.com slash directory and until next time friends. wait
1: wait thank you Keisha for joining us this evening you welcome. You're
0: welcome I need to write that in there a special thanks to our
1: guests. you have to you have to write oh she's doing it now uh, I uh yeah I'm gonna do yeah, it right now that... and until
0: next time friends drink <laughs> responsibly and keep those conversations flowing